0: Welcome to the Field Goals podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. If you go back a couple of weeks, Clinton Bonner and I, we interviewed Patrick Dees, who is one of the co-founders of Fan Controlled Football and he's the chief gaming officer for the league. And since Clinton was already a co-owner of the Beasts, I decided to become a co-owner of the Glacier Boys so we could have a little rivalry game going for that weekend. And so after our discussion with Patrick I got into using the app and calling plays and and following the weekly drafts up on Twitch. And so now, with the playoffs for the FCF starting this weekend, I was happy when I heard that former Seahawks running back Robert Turbin was joining the league. But then I found out he was joining the Beasts. And my team is already the underdog. They already lost to the Beasts just two weeks ago. It cost me a 100 Dogecoin bet with Clinton. But my disappointment with that is now turning around for me because the cool thing about following the FCF now is that it does give me a chance to flex my ownership status with Turbo in this interview. And so let's get right into it. Joining me on the show today is a running back who played his college ball at Utah State. He was drafted in the fourth round of the 2012 draft by the Seattle Seahawks. Obviously a legendary draft. He played eight seasons in the NFL with the Seahawks, Colts, Browns, and Cowboys. And now he's making his return to the football field this weekend as part of the fan-controlled football league. Robert Turbin joins me on the show today. I am fired up to have you, Robert. Welcome to the show. Hey, appreciate it, man. I'm I'm excited to be on the
1: show. You know, I'm a big fan of SB Nation, you know uh watch a a bunch of the videos and interviews and articles and things like that so uh thanks for having
0: me happy to have you on and i I'm, i'm kind of fired up to watch you this weekend i think it's a smart move for the beasts to go ahead and pick you up just in time for the playoffs because i know that as a pro you've never lost in the first round
1: yeah marshawn marshawn knew what time it was you know wanted to get some uh not, ne- not necessarily some reinforcements because the team was already undefeated, but maybe some added uh, uh, talent to the team. It was a great opportunity. I felt like for me, uh, I love football and, uh, you know, I felt like it would be a good opportunity for me not only to play football, but there's some uh, some off the field opportunities that uh, this league uh, in, and, and, and Ray does such a great job. Who's a commissioner? Ray Austin has presented with some off the field opportunities as well. Uh, but the main thing is, is being able to have an opportunity to go out there and play and compete and interact with the fans. They're controlling this thing, which I think is really, really cool. Uh, almost like playing Madden live with live players, right? Uh, and so uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how game day goes.
0: So is this how this all came together? It Was Marshawn calling you up and saying, are you, are you really not done with football? Come play for my team? The truth is,
1: um, I called Marshawn. Because I'm not done with football and uh, I, you know, I, I, you know, I want to play, you know, I, and uh, I, I feel like I still have some game left in me and that I can contribute uh, to an NFL team. Uh, you know, especially as it pertains to, you know, making a making a playoff in a Super Bowl run. Uh, it's unfortunate careers, you know, the way that they turn out sometimes. You know, for me, I dislocated my shoulder in 2018 and never really got another opportunity after that. And it was really somewhat shocking, you know, to be honest with you. I thought I thought perhaps I would get another opportunity. And I really didn't. I mean, I did go back to Seattle at the end of 2019, uh, but but didn't get a whole lot of playing time. Right. Some of the other guys were, were, were in rhythm and Marshawn actually went back at the same time uh, that I did. Uh, but, uh, you know, the thing that I have against me is is tape, you know, recent tape, you know, and, and suiting up with the pads on and things like that and going up against some defenders. And so, you know, w- whether this is going to be a huge help for me or not remains to be seen, uh, but just to have the opportunity is a huge blessing, and I'm excited to be here.
0: So do you feel like you have something to prove then?
1: Of course. Not to anybody else but myself. Uh, I know the effort and the, the type of work uh, that I put into this game year after year. I've uh, never taken any shortcuts, really, you know, That's what makes that's really what makes it, you know, the game so hard to let go. Right. Is when, you know, you've you've given it everything that you got. And most people, most guys, you know, when they retire, when they have the opportunity to choose to retire, it's mostly about retiring from the work that it takes to prepare to play each and every season. Uh, But as long as you still have that drive uh, to want to put in that work uh, each and every day, um, I think you should play. You know, I, I'd never tell anybody to give up on their dreams or their goals, uh, whether it's in football or being an attorney. You know, I I know people who failed the bar, you know, two, three, four or five times and finally passed it. And, and they're successful attorneys, you know, amongst other careers. And so it's just one of those things, man, where uh, as long as you can still do it, uh, do it, man, and give it your all. Uh, trust God in the process, man, and give it
0: everything you got. Yeah, because I heard you about a month ago use the word retired, and now here you are—you're you're getting back into pro football. Yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, I hated using that word. I hated it, man. But you know what? I didn't get an opportunity in 2020. So as a, you know, just being an adult and, and settling in reality—that like, was—that was, was this gonna be then. it. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, and it was, and I was okay with that. I was at peace with that. You know, I, I was doing TV for CBS. Uh, for the entire season in 2020 I was doing some radio stuff I'm in negotiations with ESPN now up in Seattle to do some radio stuff uh, for them uh amongst amongst other media and entertainment opportunities uh you know I'm gonna speak with Ray about uh, doing some 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 entertainment stuff I mean he's been an actor for like 15 years that's something that I'm interested in doing and there are, are also other businesses that I've partnered with and and co-founded uh, et cetera man but uh, my heart is still on the field. And uh, man, as long as your heart is in it, I, I for anybody, whatever your heart is in, whatever it is, uh, I go after it. So this fan-controlled football league presented itself. My manager calls me on the phone. He says, hey, man, you should go play in this league. I think I think this will be a good avenue for you to get back into the NFL. And uh, I called Marshawn. I asked him what, what, is he, what he thinks, you know, because I respect his opinion a lot. He says, man, listen, you want to play, I, I can get you on a flight tomorrow. And literally, I was on a flight to Atlanta in 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, I talked to Marshawn on a, on, a, on a Monday night, and I was here Wednesday. and Wednesday morning, pretty much. So, you know, basically within 24 hours, I was here. He made it happen. And, and uh, it's been exciting so far.
0: Well, Robert, I, I want to say this as respectfully as possible. As a co-owner of the Glacier Boys, how did you allow yourself to end up on the Beast's? Marshawn.
1: I mean, I'm not going to play for somebody else other than my boy. I got to play for my bro. And I have a, a great relationship with Renee Montgomery, too. She's been on my podcast twice. And I'm a big fan of hers for many reasons. You know, obviously, she's a fantastic WNBA player, she's a fantastic person. And what she's done in the community, you know, with you know, ever since the, the George, George Floyd and everything like that, really, I mean, she's. She's a rock star, man. She's a beast. I'm not going to another team. I know Sherm has a team, you know. Well, and that's I what I'm saying. I,
0: I've watched this, this league for the last few weeks. And, I mean, for those who aren't familiar with fan-controlled football, fans actually get to pick the plays. And the Beast fans are known for maybe picking three run plays a game. I know.
1: <laughs> I know. I, you know, it's funny because today was my first day of practice. I was talking to uh, the other running back. I can't think of his name right now. But he was saying, look, man, I have six total carries the whole season. I said, the whole season? Six carries? He said, I have six carries and three touchdowns. I said, man, gosh, I'm on the wrong team. But you know what? Hopefully the fans, they recognize, you know, I'm on the team now. You know, maybe can we at least get six in one game? Two carries in one game. Six carries for the whole season? That's insulting.
0: Yeah, I know. It's insulting. Beast need to do better.
1: (laughs) But we win, though. We win. Now, we lost last week because Josh, you know, is a monster. Right. But I think of myself as a monster, too. So hopefully I can <laughs> hopefully I can make a difference. <laughs>
0: I'm excited to see you back out there. Have you talked to Marshawn about getting back on the field, too? Because, you know, for three straight years in the NFL, I mean, you guys is a one-two combo in the NFL from 2012 to 2014. That was. Oh,
1: you mean like if Marshawn wants to play? Yeah. In the, in the back. In, yeah. I think he would. I think he would always take the right opportunity. I know. I know. Last season, he certainly was willing to, uh, but it didn't happen. And uh, you know, I mean, he's the
0: owner of the team, though he could he could make this happen pretty easily if he wants to get out there with.
1: Him. Oh, oh, you are talking about this 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 team? Yes. Why not? Nah. You know, I, I talked to him about it. He. He, you know, he didn't like. He didn't like. There was just, nah, it's just not. <laughs> I told. Him, I said, man, because remember, he suited up that one day. I saw it. Right. Him. He was. He was walking with Manzel, Right. They were going through the tunnel. He had his shoulder pads on. And I, And I asked him. I said, what happened? I thought you were gonna play that night. He said, man, I didn't like. I ain't like how I was feeling in them in them shoulder pads. It'd been too long. So I said, all right. You know, I said, look, I said, you been, he, he, you know, he might have been eating, you know, too many, too many snacks as he's been retired. I don't know. And he still looked good, though. I said, man, he look great. He said, nah, man.
0: He said, I'm all right, all right, all right. So I don't know. I'll do it for him. Well, at least we get to see one former Seahawks running back back in action on the field this weekend. The first round of the fan controlled football playoffs is this Saturday. Visit FCF io for details on how to get involved or tune in at twitch.tv fcf if you just want to watch i've got lots more to talk about with turbo including the story behind how he ended up wearing number 22 for the seahawks as well as his thoughts on the news about russell wilson over the past couple weeks all of that is coming up next Super Bowl 48 champion Robert Turbin is joining me here on the Field Goals podcast, and we are talking about his debut on Saturday with fan-controlled football. So, I saw you out there Thursday, warming up, and you were wearing number 30. You wore 22 at the Seahawks, you wore 34 when you came back, you've worn 23, 27, and 33, you were 6 in college. Is there a common thread that I'm missing, or, or are you just not a number guy?
1: No, I I am a number guy. Um, 33 has always been my favorite number. Okay. I'll tell you a quick story. When I first started playing football at 10 years old, my uh, Pop Warner coach, his name was Coach Joe Shammy. Okay. I was picked second overall in in, in the draft, the Fremont Football League draft. I'll never forget. The Bills picked me. The Cowboys had the first pick, they picked another running back. I still, it still eats at me to this day. But anyway, uh, I was a 10 year old running back. The league, is divided, you know, by age groups, right? So the older division is 12 to 14. And if you're 12, you know, it depends on your weight. And the same thing for the younger division, 8 to 12. And if you're 12 and you play with the younger division, you have to make a certain weight to do that. So Coach Joe, who'd been coaching this Pop Warner League for, you know, over a decade, probably been involved for, even when I came in, he'd probably already been involved over 20 years He said, I never had a running back younger than 11 years old. I want to be a running back because I want to be Barry Sanders. That was, I mean, that was like the reason why I started playing football. And I was a 49er fan growing up and I loved Jerry Rice and, 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 and and Ricky Waters uh, was a, was a, was a, a, you know, guy that I, that I loved a lot as a kid. Um, And, uh, but I wanted to be like Barry Sanders, man. And I said, you know, coach uh, I want to be number 33 I want to be number thirty-three. I was, I was like, you know, rock solid. And he asked me why. I said, because I want to be the first player in history to be number thirty-three and make it to the Hall of Fame. And he <laughs> laughed at me, just like that. He just, did, he just did, love, he just, and I, but I was serious. Uh-huh. I was, you know, I, I was dead serious. You know, and he just starts laughing, and I'm like, Coach, we laughing at? So he asked me. He goes, Do you know who Gale Sayers is? <laughs> I said, no, coach, I don't know who Gil Sears is. He says, look him up, all right? He's a famous running back for the Chicago Bears. And I said, coach, that's Walter Payton, and he's number 34, okay? Go, go, back Sears, <laughs> right. he's, he's, go back a little farther. Right. He you got to go back. You got to go back. Here I am, this 10-year-old, cocky little, thinking that I know everything, you know, not, not, not understanding that, uh, uh, what, who, who was it from the Cowboys that – He's a Hall of Famer oh, number 30. Tony
0: Dorsett.
1: Tony Dorsett. Yeah. You know, like I didn't know my history like I thought I did. So he says, you know what? And mind you, I'm ai am a 49er fan, right? So he goes, I'm making my number 40. I said, what?
0: <laughs> I said, it's not even a running back number.
1: Right. <laughs> the first person that came to my mind was William Floyd. Remember him for the 49ers? A fullback.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: He's a coach. That's a fullback number. You know, and then that's when he goes to explaining who Gale Sayers is. I, I used to run like really high with my head. He's like, you run like Gale Sayers. You remind me of him. Yeah. So I'm like, man. So I had to wear number 40 the first year. But my second year, after I kind of proved myself, I got to number 33. So I wore 33 my second year, 33 my final year of Pop Warner. And then when I get to, when I got to high school, six just came from well, really two things. I added the numbers together, three right. and three. But my family would not allow, particularly my, uh, my my cousin who who lived with me at the time, he says, Rob, listen, all the best players wear single-digit numbers. You can't, don't wear 33. It's ugly. Like, it's not, you're not going to look clean out there. I said, all right, fine. You know, I said, okay, fine. I add the numbers together. I wore six, you know, so six kind of became my staple. Okay. in high school, college, uh, twenty-two was. I wore twenty-two when I went to Seattle. I got stories, man. I'm a storyteller. You okay with that? Yeah, absolutely. So when I when 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 Seattle drafted me, John Snyder says, "Okay, you can only here the two numbers you can wear." I got I had two options. I wanted to wear thirty-three. I wanted to go back to Pop Warner, you know. He says. Uh, You can wear 20 or 22. And, oh, man, I have to be honest. I wanted 20. I wanted 20 so bad because who do I want to be like? Barry Sanders.
0: Right. That's who I want to be. So, what, Jeremy Lane, what, did he pick ahead of you?
1: No, no. I chose 22, and I chose 22 because the player that Seattle released to draft me was Justin Forsett. OK. And Justin Forsett was number 20. And I didn't know Justin, but I knew of Marshawn and I knew they were cousins. And, I, you know, I was always kind of a fan of of, of Marshawn. I know I that we are from the Bay Area, you know. And so I'd have, I'd have, I'd have, I'd, I've I'd never told this story before. Out of respect for, for Justin Forsett, I didn't wear 20 because, you know, I just I just I didn't feel comfortable. You know what I'm saying? I was just like, man, they're releasing this guy. From To draft me, and that's his number. You know, I just I said, you know what? I'm going to take 22. You know, and my least favorite running back of all times, Emmitt Smith. But, <laughs> all right, not saying he wasn't good. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> my buddy and I always have the argument between Barry Sanders and Emmitt Smith, and I was a huge Emmitt Smith guy in high school. Like he, uh-huh. I remember my dad telling me, this guy Emmitt Smith, he's going to be great. And I was a Seahawks fan. At, well, I was a Seahawks fan because my dad was a Seahawks fan. And after he told me about Emmett Smith, I started collecting Emmett Smith football cards and then he got to be really good. Then Emmett Smith was my guy and the Cowboys were my team. I'm sure my dad was really pissed about it because, you know, here I was not a Seahawks <laughs> fan for, you know, like the greatest years of of Cowboys you know, history and recent memory. So, uh, right. yeah, I. We always have this argument between Barry and Emmett. And I I know that Barry is the greatest, like, of that generation. But why the Emmett Smith hate? Why the Emmett Smith hate?
1: No, no, no. It's not not about the hate. Because Emmett Smith is great. Don't get me wrong. I just feel like, I just, you know, first of all, you got to remember, I'm a 49er fan. So there were some clashes between the Cowboys and the 49ers.
0: That makes sense. Especially
1: in the 90s, you know. (laughs) 80s too, but in the 90s, you know, because I was born in 89. So there were some clashes there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't like Emmitt Smith, you know. But I just felt like, ah, like, the, the the like, he didn't have a lot of dynamic to him, man. You know, Barry will make something happen. Oh, yeah. Emmitt had Larry Allen and all kinds of guys up front on the offensive line where it was just easy almost. Now, he can make guys miss in space and stuff like that, man, but the running backs that I was always a, a, attracted to were guys that, like, didn't have the greatest linemen, weren't on the greatest teams, and they were still able to make stuff happen. They were still able to be great, you know? Uh, and so I just, you know, I kind of feel like Emmitt had an advantage already. Man, he had a uh, Hall of Fame offensive line and just didn't really do anything super... He's like Sean Alexander. Like, yes. he's pro- I probably don't like Sean Alexander more. He's probably one I don't like the most because
0: <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> He didn't do anything, guys. Special. That had it too easy. He just, you know, I'm like, always I, defending I Sean too easy. because every time Sean got down inside the red zone, he was scoring touchdowns.
1: I know, and I'm not saying it was easy for him, but you just never saw him do anything dynamic, man. It was just like, uh, you know, it was just plain, like a plain piece of bread or something, you know. It just
0: you like you, the flash, you know, guys. but anyway,
1: so that's why I wore 22. I wore 22 because of that, and and uh, you know. As far like Dallas and Cleveland, you know, obviously I played for those teams. I don't always include them in the conversation because it was one year. It was both teams in the same year. It was kind of a, just a weird year for me. Uh, but I do talk about number thirty three uh, because I was with the Colts for a good, you know, three seasons and stuff like that. I had a good. I led the team in touchdowns in two thousand sixteen. But I want, I wanted to, you know, get back to. My number, man. My number that I always wanted to wear since I was a young kid, and that's where thirty-three came from when I was with the Colts, and uh, and I kind of wanted to move on from you know twenty-two and 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 that brand and, and Seattle. I kind of wanted to start fresh, uh, and so that's where uh, thirty-three came. And then when I went back to Seattle, I, it, it just sometimes it just it's just what is available, right? You know, just choices, you know, and so. Uh, 34 was 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 it, but uh, but yeah, I don't don't get me wrong, I'm a I'm a I'm a numbers guy. Don't get it twisted because I've I've worn so many numbers. But uh, 22, I, I really like that number. I won a Super Bowl in that number. If I get back into the league, I'd like to get that number back.
0: Man, I think back to that 2019 season. It just it was kind of nostalgic, right, for Seahawks fans because Marshawn was coming back, you were coming back. They were competing for an NFC West title, and you know just to come up just inches short kind of right at the end. It was such a bummer, man.
1: Yeah, no, it was, it was, I mean, it was a crusher, you know, just to have that opportunity in the past. It was like, we always, we were the ones that made the play at the end of the game. You know, we were the one that had the extra inch, you know, to to, to win the NFC West or the NFC championship game. And, uh, you know, we came up short, man. And we had to, you know, we ended up having to take the the, the long haul to try to get the this football. But, you can kind of feel the air kind of that year was such a tough year for Seattle. You know, Even before I got there, it was almost like you hate to say that they needed a break a week off to decompress and recoup, but that team needed it, man. And when we came up short against the 49ers in that game, you could just, there was just a sense like, and you know, we're gassed, you know, you could get a Sammy I Marshawn mean, and I, we were fresh, you know, but, you could get a sense from the team, like, I'm just kind of gassed, man. You know, it's been a long year, a lot of injuries and things like that, a lot of things that they had to deal with. You know, they they, they really they really needed that that week off. And I think that if they would have gotten a bye, uh, they would
0: have gone much further in the playoffs.
1: But we would have gone much further in the playoffs.
0: Well, as a Seahawks fan, I have to say that I'm gassed just from this last couple of weeks of Russell Wilson talk. And I know, you know, you guys were roommates back when you first joined the team. And I, I just, I wonder, what are your thoughts about all this? This idea that there's some kind of rift between Russell Wilson and, and Coach Pete Carroll.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, you know, the thing that is most frustrating to me uh, when hearing people. You know, talk about it. Um, obviously, you know, Russell is somebody that I hold near and dear to my heart. I die for Russell. You know, I, I I straight up take a bullet for him. And uh, you know, the thing that that really kind of bothers me is when when people kind of speculate as if they either work in Russell's camp or they work for the management of the Seattle Seahawks, and they come out with these statements like like they're there. And they and they know exactly what's going on. It's one thing to have an opinion. If you say I think X, Y, and Z, rather than saying you know he or she said X, Y, and Z, you know, and and that that part is the part that that really uh, always kind of throws me off. You know, I I know Russ personally. I've obviously you know been around that facility. Some of these things are just. <laughs> Are laughable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like, the
0: thing that drives me crazy about it is that, so I was listening to Chris Sims on a uh, pro football talk and, yeah. you know, we heard Russell Wilson go on Dan Patrick and say that he's kind of tired of getting hit. And then he did a, a press conference as part of the Walter Payton man of the year. It kind of said yeah. similar things, but then I hear Sims saying that Russ went full scorched earth on the Seattle Seahawks organization and all of a sudden the super bowl ended and he decided to attack every aspect of the football team basically and so it's it's when you hear him you hear russell's words and it's like yeah i i could use some offensive line help or you know just it, things this is an area that i i think needs to improve and and he's recognized that he has some ownership in things too but it's when the things get so twisted that it's to where it, what you know these statements are being characterized in a way that aren't even Remotely, what he said.
1: Right. And that's the part that, you know, that's the part that really bothers me. You know, Chris Sims, I didn't get a chance to listen to that interview or hear exactly what he said. But my argument is always this not my argument, but my question is always this. Like somebody came out with the story and said, you know, Russell's frustrated because he thinks he's a top five quarterback. And Seattle doesn't. Did you? You must have talked to Russell. You must have talked to him personally. And he told you that because. I know that he wants to be top five. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want to be the best or one of the best by the time their career is over? Like, what are you playing for then? What are you doing? Retire. Do something else. Do something that you want to be great at then, because it doesn't make you're wasting your time, right? But uh, for him to say that he that he said that exactly, you know, for Chris Sims to say that Russell said something exactly, I hope that you talk to him personally, which I. Highly doubt. I'm like 99. percent Like he's never mentioned Phil Simms one time ever in his life. As many times we, you know, as many conversations as we had. So that's the thing that that always gets me. Like it's just like, have you? Did you talk to him personally? Like, or or if if not, then don't then don't say that he said something. You know. And in the Dan Patrick interview, you know, if people are focused on one thing, you know, it's like, but he. Oh, he, but he answered a question. He's like,
0: "Yeah, I'd like not to get hit so much." Well, the, and it's the way that that Dan pressed him on it too. It's like you've been sacked right. almost four hundred times, and what do you say, "Oh, right. I, you know, "Well, that's part right. of the game," <laughs> right? But then he exactly, you know, he
1: gave kind of, kind of, you know, roundabout answers for lack of a better word, right? Then he finally said, "Well, yeah, you know, I'd like not to get so much, but I can be better too. I cannot hold on to the ball uh, for so long." People, why are people ignoring that part of the of the conversation of the interview? That's what I'm saying.
0: Well, what do you think though about that idea of people saying that now that he's, I, they like to use the term thrown his offensive line under the bus, which I, I I don't think that that qualifies. But do you think the people in the locker room are going to view it that way? No,
1: no, because he it, it's not like he came out and said my offensive line doesn't block, my offensive line sucks we need to get better at the offensive line we need to bring in some reinforcements on the offensive line he didn't say any of those things he just said simply yeah i'd like not to get hit so much but there's no throwing anybody under the bus <laughs> that just turn the tape like what are you talking about we are all watching the same game on sundays what but what, what what bus are you being thrown under we're all seeing the same thing we all turn on the same film on 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 Monday morning, and 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 we're seeing the pressures. Dan Patrick talked about the numbers; they don't lie. We're all seeing the same statistics. Well, so what bus? Well, there is no bus. It doesn't exist. The stats exist. The tape exists, and the and and the people watching the games on national TV that exists. That's real. That's what's really happening. So. The only thing that they can say when Russell is <laughs> coming in the locker room and says, you know what? You're right. We all need to get better. Which is actually something Russell said. We all need to get better, including himself. He said that, but
0: nobody wants to say that, that he said that this is facts. He's Robert Turbin. He is coming back to pro football. He is going to be playing for the Beasts this weekend as part of the first round of the playoffs. And Robert I hope you go down. As, like I said, as a as a, a co-owner of the Glacier Boys, I want my team to win. I want this first round exit for the beast. Wow. And it, it's it's really rivalry wow. week for you and me. But I really wow. I really appreciate you wow. coming
1: on. You know what? I'm You know what? All right. All right. You know, I I should I should and you know what? If I would have known that you were the owner <laughs> of the Glaciers before this interview, I might have not come on here and said so many nice things about SB Nation and some most stuff. You want me to go down? Okay, all right, I got something for you this weekend. I got something for you, specifically for you. And when your team wants to know what happened, I'm going to tell them, your boy, your owner, Brandon, go holler
0: at him. <laughs> go holler at him. <laughs> oh, man. I never thought I would be so torn over this Saturday's game. Obviously, I want my team to win, but that was such a fun Interview. I can't be mad if he's going to go on and play in the championship the next week. Plus the passion that he has, you can tell that he wants back in the NFL and definitely feels like he has something to prove. And like you said, it was, it was just to himself, but you gotta feel you gotta feel that passion about how he wants to get back in the league and have it, you know, finish off differently than it did with those final few games with the Seahawks in that 2019 season. So if you haven't gotten into the league yet you really should download the app. Shoot, pick the beasts as your team and actually pick some running plays so that when Turbo is on the field, he actually gets some carries out there. So do that and tune into the game this Saturday. A huge thanks once again to Robert Turbin for coming on the show and look for my post up on field goals on Saturday because Clinton, Bonner, and I will be back on the Locker Room app. We'll be doing a live show. That'll be before the kickoff of the game on Saturday. We're going to be talking about six players the Seahawks need to either recruit or avoid when it comes to some of those latest cap casualties that other teams have had to make. So you can join in on that conversation, too. Just download the Locker Room app. You can follow me at Seahawkra. That's Seahawk R A. And right now we're planning on going live around 5.30 Pacific time. So mark that on your calendar. And until then, go Hawks.